0: All right, welcome on to a special Monday edition of the Dunked on Basketball NBA podcast. A guest that I have longed to have uh, on the program and uh, really excited for this one, Mark Stein of the New York Times. How are you doing, Mark? Mr. Duncan, I'm good. So you just got back from the G League Showcase, one of my favorite events. Sadly, not able to make it this year uh, with have to be a little more cost conscious with a wedding coming up later this year. Uh, but at least we had you there to tell us, you know, what was kind of on everyone's lips here. You know, it's a great Great networking event, obviously, with uh, basically the whole league there at one point or another. Yeah,
1: I've never missed one. I really love the G League showcase, and now with the moved-up trade deadline, it's basically a month out before the trade deadline, but not quite as chaotic as, say, Summer League would be when teams are actually trying to make deals minute to minute. Uh, So I think generally executives from the various teams are pretty chatty pretty relaxed as relaxed as they can be so i i never miss it especially these last two years in toronto which is just one of my favorite cities so i mean the 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 buzz is that the showcase is actually going to be on the move and it's probably going to end up in vegas next season and that'll probably make the teams happy but it'll certainly it does not make me happy i absolutely love toronto even in january when it's freezing so i will i will miss canada if it if that's what actually happens but Look, I think the reality is if you listen to the chatter out there, there's a lot of pessimism. People don't think it's going to be a fireworks-laden deadline. But the rule I always apply in these things, I, I think it's really hard to predict it. And I'm, I'm as guilty as any reporter. I go up to these guys from teams and I ask them, so what do you think? you think we'll see a lot of moves? Nobody knows. It's It's even <laughs> – so Even three, what are we, three weeks away? It's still too soon to say how active or non-active it's going to be. So even though there's a lot of talk out there that says don't expect much, My advice is don't listen. We don't know yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny because you know, obviously, the trade deadline was moved up, and you you get a sense here that there really isn't that much impetus for teams in either direction, right? There are teams. A lot of teams are kind of like, all right, you know, we're on the fringes. We're not ready to totally give up and sell everyone off yet, even pending free agents necessarily. And then on the other hand, you've got such great teams at the top of the league, and those teams seem like they're pretty much have got the team. That they want to have already. So the impetus to really be a buyer and try to get into that, you know, that sort of talent isn't really available, it seems like.
1: Yeah, and look, I think generally teams are really happy about the moved up deadline. I've just, I've heard that over and over that. I I hate it. Teams are thrilled that this is not something that lingers after the All Star break. You know, when teams come back from the All Star break, they want to know this is our team, and now they're going to be able to do that. Whereas before, you know, was this charade that you had to you know, get together for that first practice, but you really didn't know if three days later that you might be shipping three guys out the door. So I think teams are happy about the deadline. I think it's more what you said about how top-heavy the league is. Is there a move anybody can make that's really going to close the gap on the Warriors? In the West, no. Realistically, no. There isn't. Now, in the East, Cleveland, I think we have to keep our eye on the Cavs. I I do believe they will make at least one trade if they can because they know they're just not they're not good enough right now. I mean, they can still get out of the east, but they're not beating the Warriors as they're currently constructed. So, I do think that the Cavs have the, have the desire to do something, but you know, I I just did the power rankings in today's paper, first time all season, I've done it. You know, I, I basically, obviously I don't do it on a weekly basis anymore, but I decided, you know, let's do it as a, as a midway kind of progress report because we just passed the actual midpoint of the season. There's, you know, from, from seven on down, you know, they're between eight and 20 in the league right now. It's just not a good league. You know, there's just, (laughs) the league is awash in mediocrity right now. So, those teams are not one move away from jumping into elite status, and I think that's the problem.
0: Yeah, th- that makes a lot of sense. And, I mean, you also have teams, that, like, you know, you mentioned the Cavs, I and mean, they have this Brooklyn pick, but they have their own uncertainty with the, the free agency of LeBron James. I mean, do you think there's any way that they would move that Brooklyn pick short of LeBron James saying, hey, yes, I'm going to sign on, which, of course, we know he's not going to do?
1: Right. That I mean, that's the only scenario that I think— they would be willing you know it would change their view on it they 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 don't want to use the brooklyn pick now even though the nets seem determined to keep winning more than any of us thought and try to take the take the value out of that pick as much as they can uh, but no the Cavs. I, look the Cavs would prefer not to use it and that's that's their big issue because they've got very limited assets if they don't use it but you know when you look at the players who are out there you know DeAndre Jordan being at the top of the list does DeAndre Jordan put the Cavs on the Warriors level yeah. and
0: I think we would all say no so yeah. and it seems like that might be a, especially when you consider the Cavs massive luxury tax concerns going forward it seems like that's almost still more than DeAndre would fetch if in fact the Clippers even decide that they want to. <laughs> Yeah, and look, luxury tax is something that I
1: don't think they can afford to worry about. If if you're trying to keep LeBron James, I mean, the the only way they're keeping LeBron James is winning a championship. So, if if a trade for them makes sense, if something, and I don't, I don't, I can't sit here and tell you I know exactly what that is, but but if a trade materializes where they don't have to give up that pick but it's just a matter of adding cost they've got to do it i mean cuz if lebron leaves it you know it's going to be a long long winter in cleveland i mean it you know they 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 survived it once because he came back. I mean, it, it'll probably be, you know, worse the second time. Yep. So, yep. He, as you know, nobody wants to pay luxury tax, but if, if something materializes where it can help your team, but it's just a matter of added dollars, I mean, I, I would think that's a risk you got to take.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And certainly the reporting has indicated that, you know, that's something that Dan Gilbert basically promised LeBron James. Now, they've been able to shed salary here and there, and, you know, you think maybe Channing Fry could be a guy that could be on the move uh and i actually think he could help some of those kind of mediocre teams a little bit you know he's not playing at all for them right now shumpert is a guy they could probably try to move to since he's been beset by injuries although with him likely to opt into his 11 million next year it seems you know the price for getting rid of him could be uh prohibitive and then you also consider that they might want to actually get something back in addition to just shedding salary well
1: i wonder if the Cavs are really gonna rue letting that trade exception from the kyle corvert deal pass. uh you know i again if it's if if there's if if there are moves to make and the only penalty is more dollars out the door if you're trying to keep lebron james i think those are risks you have to take because if he leaves i mean they're 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 going to regret it forever obviously
0: so although yeah i mean i guess dan gilbert he's probably thinking well you know this guy burned us before we made all these moves to try to appease him before and he just left us so you know maybe those scars it's just too hard for him to get over
1: yeah and look i mean it's easy for me to spend somebody else's money yeah. we all love to do it that's kind of part of our uh that's part of the game on nba twitter we love to spend teams money for them <laughs> but you know again lebron you know man if 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 there was a trade that looked good and you didn't make it and and LeBron leaves, I, I just think there, there's, there's going to be
0: some down-the-line remorse. It's really such a weird situation because you've got the the best player in the game. You think, oh, we have a great chance at the championship, but this Warriors monolith is just so ridiculous that you figure, you know, it's like, well, you know what? Let's just make it back to the finals and, like, hope that, that we have a chance, but it's really, you know, like you said, I don't know that the move is out there that gets them on the, the Warriors level, but we talked a little bit about DeAndre Jordan I want to talk just about the Clippers in general you know it seemed like all right they're going to be totally out of it with these Blake injuries Patrick Beverly out for the season and so you know they're going to be out of the playoffs and it seemed it accomplished that they'd move on from DeAndre Jordan they'd move on from Lou Williams who obviously has been awesome this year but now they're back to really you know probably having a decent shot at, at the playoffs but what do you think is the overall mindset there now after they obviously paid a bunch of money to Blake Griffin this offseason are they just gonna hang on as much as they can to kind of hang around in in the seventh or eighth seed for these next few years or are they going to say all right you know we got to get something for these guys while we can and maybe we'll keep blake but we got to rebuild a little bit around him instead
1: i think steve ballmer is just so hungry to win just he wants to be he wants to have an elite team so badly it's just really tough for him to think about teardowns i just don't think that's in his mentality they obviously spent what was it 175 million to keep blake now, that story was going – you know, that was going around in Toronto that they were trying to convince Minnesota to at least listen on a Blake for Cat deal, and obviously there would have to be other pieces <laughs> involved there. I wasn't able to confirm it, so I didn't report it. Mike Scotto, our colleague from Basketball Insiders, he did re- subsequently report report that those talks took place. You know, I've heard a bunch of denial since then.
0: Yeah, if um, they hang oh. up the phone immediately in Minnesota, does that count as a talk? <laughs> It does. Yeah. I think it does. 2018, it does. Yeah. Uh, but it just, you know, I
1: think I think there is a fair degree of skepticism around the league. How, how tradable is Blake, given his injury history in a contract of that size? So, you know, I think that kind of compels them to whether or not DeAndre Jordan stays. And you can certainly understand them exploring the feasibility of moving him before he can leave them for nothing this summer. I, you know, I think they're going to keep trying to put pieces around Blake to go for it. I mean, it, you know, that you know, once they committed to him, it kind of makes the starting over option go away.
0: Well so you mentioned it in your column today the idea that the Bucks are a potential suitor for Deandre and you know, it seems that seems like an interesting one to me because they're another team that's uh, up against the tax after their summer of 2016 moves they in theory need to re-sign Jabari Parker as well we have no idea what the market for him is going to be like as a restricted free agent coming off now as second ACL tear and so i mean if there were to be a deal between Milwaukee and the Clippers you know i, I kind of struggle to see what that would look like but is that true you're hearing that the bucks do have some interest in that
1: 100 the bucks are interested in jordan and i would say you know they're probably as interested in him as anyone could they get him without including jabari i mean do they have enough otherwise because you, you would you would naturally think that you know trading jabari is not something that they want to do um, I don't know. Looking at what they have, you know, what you know, is there really a match there? But there's no, there's no denying the Bucks' interest. They would love to get to get DeAndre Jordan if they could. Uh, I just don't know. Can they come up with enough? To really tempt the Clippers at this point, I mean, to to this point, kind of the scuttle has been that the proposals the Clippers are getting for for DeAndre haven't haven't been the hottest. But I guess also it's a function of time. I mean, you know you know how it is. The the better offers are going to be closer to February eighth than the January fifteenth.
0: Yeah, the books have that massive hole at, at center right now with Henson and Maker. You think maybe when Parker comes back, they'll try and close some gains with Giannis even at center. But it's it's hard for me to see the, what the instruction is there unless Parker is included in that deal and that might be a way for the Clippers to try to get a little bit younger and maybe see if they can find a replacement for DeAndre uh, you know not 100% what he gives him but maybe 80% on the free agent market this summer and then because they wouldn't have to re-sign Parker then maybe the Bucs could afford uh, DJ but they might have to also in that a deal like that send one of their uh, worst contracts you know a a Della Vidova or Toledovic or someone like that back to the Clippers maybe both to make the math work this year and also so that they could potentially afford to re-sign DeAndre and not pay through the nose intact?
1: I, you know, I I think if I was him, I would do it. I, I, you know, again, you know, Jabari is... A top pick, a young guy. He's had an unfortunate string of injuries. Way too soon to write him off, but I, I think that's a gamble that I would be willing to make because I just look. You, you, the the Bucks still need shooters, but I, I think I don't know. I just I I think Bledsoe and DeAndre Jordan would be really interesting sidekicks for Giannis. I, I I just I think there's a lot of potential there.
0: Yeah, it depends what your time horizon is as the Bucks, right? I mean, they struggled with this in the summer of 2016 as well. I mean, if you want to. Try to be as absolutely as good as you can this year and next year. You know, that is a move I think I would consider. But if you want to say, Hey, you know, yeah, I realize Jabari's an injury risk and, you know, maybe he only has a 50% chance of working out. But if we want to try and win championships in Giannis's prime, since, you know, he's still 22, 23, whatever he is, you know, that maybe if we're going to shoot for two years from now, signing a 29 year old center to a big deal in the offseason or potentially even losing him, you know, he's, there's no fait accompli that he's even going to re sign. Uh, and if he does, you're going to have to back up the Brinks truck as Isaiah would say. Um, So, yeah, that's interesting. It definitely makes them better this year. I'm not sure that it's something that I would do, mostly because I'm really scared of DeAndre's next contract. And perhaps that's part of what is depressing his trade value at the point.
1: Well, I think also if you're Milwaukee, then you just have to ask yourself what other, you know, what can we do better in free agency than trading for DeAndre Jordan? And, you know, historically the answer has been no. But I think with a new arena coming there, and I would tend to think NBA players would be pretty intrigued with the opportunity to play with Giannis. So maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe as time goes on, maybe the Bucks are going to be more of a free agent destination than we imagine when we hear Milwaukee. All
0: right. So let's talk. About, uh, actually, you know what? First, let's do a quick read here and then we'll be right back with Mark Stein. Talk about some of the other maybe smaller names uh, that are some logical trade candidates and what the price and potential destinations for them would be right after this. So I mentioned my wedding and that means I'm also trying to plan my bachelor party right now. And I found it rather difficult. You can go to Airbnb, you can go to Homeway and go to VRBO and gotta go to a bunch of different sites. In fact, the average family visits five websites before booking a vacation rental. But now I thankfully I haven't booked it yet because I know about tripping.com now, which is the world's number one site for vacation rentals, aggregating together various vacation rental sites so they're all in one place. And you'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with tripping.com. And if you've never ever used vacation rental service, it really is just so much better to me than staying in a hotel. If you have a family, you can get multiple rooms, you can have a common space to all hang out in. For my bachelor party, really looking forward to getting a house so that everyone can kind of congregate in one area and still have their own separate room. And it's almost invariably less expensive to do that than to get a hotel as well. And now you don't have to worry about going to a bunch of different sites to get the best deal because it's all right there at tripping.com. The way to get started at, with them is with that vanity dunked on url tripping.com slash cap space easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time on the program so that's tripping.com slash cap space make sure you enter that slash cap space url and let them know that you came from us so uh, any other names that you found coming up again and again as logical candidates that people expect it to be traded in these next next month or so
1: (coughs) miritich is you know the lock i think everyone knows chicago wants to move him and there is a fair bit of interest now. It's going to hinge on, on draft compensation. The Bulls have basically said we are holding out for a first-round pick. So Utah, Detroit, Team X that we don't know about that's in the field, is someone going to come up with the first that the Bulls insist that they have to get in a Miritich deal? I, I tend to think Yes. He became trade eligible today, and I do think we will see a Miritich deal. Uh, that that one just there's just been too much chatter in that direction. But really, the the, the interesting one for me right now is Charlotte. Yeah. You know, they to me, I mean, they are they are they have a very pricey roster that's going nowhere. And, you know, they're 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 right in the middle of it too now. They're weighing it and trying to figure out what they should do. But Kemba Walker, I mean, trading Kemba Walker before his free agency season, you know, it's been talked about here. It's it's kind of become more of a hot topic in the last week or so and I think we're gonna keep talking about it and keep hearing about it because I mean, to me, the Hornets don't really have much of an alternative.
0: Yeah, and then you also look at, much like we were talking about with DeAndre, okay, they could hold on to him for the next two years, and maybe some marginal moves could get them back into seventh or eighth playoff seed contention. I'm still not even totally writing them off for the playoffs this year, but as we know, they're not really going anywhere. And then, all right, so he gets to be a free agent, and number one, he probably wants to lead to go somewhere more competitive. Number two, he's 29 and a short point guard, and do you want to pay him a four-year deal at close to the max? You know, probably not, especially when you're not really the that good to begin. with. so i agree with you it's totally logical for them to trade him my question is just you know is that we haven't seen michael jordan and their management be that sort of proactive getting out ahead of things like this especially when it's going to make the team worse in a market where they're struggling financially
1: i do think this is something that they're currently kind of sizing up right now i think you know they they see it you know they they decided to You know, construct the roster the way they did. They were hoping it would be a much better team. They were hoping it would look a lot more like it did in Steve Clifford's first season. It hasn't worked out that way. So they, you know, they, they. I think they realize that if you let Walker get to free agency and you have to pay him a ton to stay, you're basically going to have the same kind of team that you've had there for years i mean really he's he's the guy that would be the easiest to move because he's on a very favorable contract right now he's obviously an all-star level player there would there would be a market for him the minute the hornets let teams know that what kemba walker is available so i think they they're gonna come to the conclusion that this is the path they have to take now i know steve clifford is just back on the hornets bench and he said he doesn't see it happening but Man, you know, I mean, you kind of laid it out there. The alternative is he goes into free agency and leaves you with nothing if he signs somewhere else, or you have to pay him crazy money to basically keep a very mediocre team together. And who wants to do that?
0: yeah and i do think i think they at the very least should listen i mean for a lot of these guys you know the hawks i think dealt with this with the free agencies of paul Millsap and al horford both of whom are now no longer on the team but they were a decent team better than these hornets are during that time and so you know they're getting these offers you know of like one first round pick or something for these guys and it's like all right you know for that much like why don't we just keep these guys around and, and just make the playoffs this year and be a four or five seed and lose in the second round but i mean i think it's different for the hornets because they're even a level below where those hawks teams were and so with it and these they would be moving more quickly and there are some teams that i think you know wouldn't necessarily get into contention but could definitely be solid playoff teams if they were to add kemba walker certainly uh his hometown knicks uh, come to mind for that
1: yeah, I don't think there's any question that you know again if Kemba Walker was available and it was known that he was available, I mean this this trade di- trade deadline would suddenly be a lot more interesting because you know depending on where he landed, he could be an an impact player who you know has you know he he can really make his mark in the playoffs if he if he goes to another team. So you know that that's why I'm not told – I I do think there is still some hope here in with this trade deadline that I'm not I'm not just going to buy the the stock line that says you know what it's it's we're not going to see any good trades and it's just going to be a snooze. I'm you know don't don't give up hope yet.
0: <laughs> good. Well, I mean uh, we'll be covering it whether it's interesting or boring. So. Um... Well, that's
1: the thing is I never believe there's a boring one anyway. I mean even yeah. if there are even if there are you know ten trades and none of them really involving frontline players we still go crazy and still find joy in the contract minutiae and the maneuvering so it's no such thing as a bad trade deadline
0: um so another guy who i think is a very obvious trade candidate i think you know you would have to say that memphis almost would be negligent if they didn't try to get something for him since he's on a one-year 3.3 million dollar deal with no bird rights and it's been playing great Is tyreek evans what do you think the market looks like for him and what teams perhaps could be interested there
1: definitely 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 trying, but it's the same thing you hear with Miritich. They want a first. Can they get a first for Tyreek Evans? I'm not so sure. I mean, firsts are, they're just, they're hard to come by. Nobody, you know, with, with with the money crunch coming this summer and cap space is going to be a premium, I think teams want to hang on to their firsts even more than usual because... If you get the right guy, you've got him on a great contract, and so it's not easy to extract firsts these days. And so that's going to be that's going to be the Grizzlies' challenge. Uh, you know, I had heard in Toronto that the Wizards would be a team interested, and I was quickly set straight that that is wrong, and that the Wizards are not pursuing him. So uh, you know that 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 was the word I got when I was in Toronto. But look, he's been very productive. He's had a good season that you know at that number he's an absolute bargain and he he is a guy who can make you deeper and help your team so I would think Tyreek Evans is a guy who you know can he be traded for sure
0: yeah and just how you know teams want a first round pick I think it's more realistic for me for Miritich because he's under contract for another year and also he makes enough that you could potentially take back some bad salary as the Bulls and maybe that's how you get up to that first round pick you would imagine you know with Detroit they've got like John Luehr or Utah's got Alec Burks there's some guys who maybe are not as good a player as Miritich but you put them in to match the salary and then absorbing that salary and you know uh, Utah or Detroit getting the production of Miritich that's how you get to the the first round pick um and and then but for Evans you know with his small salary Memphis probably doesn't seem like a team that's going to take back bad salary and so I I do think I agree with you it's hard to get to what the value is maybe you trade them a first and and Memphis gives back their second or something along those lines but you know I, I don't think based on where we've seen the market these last few years especially because when you get Evans you don't get his bird rights right like you can't. If you're a team that's over the cap, you're gonna have trouble re-signing him. Uh, it's difficult to say that they, you know, that's a realistic asking price for a first-round pick for us.
1: And again, who, who out there is Tyreek Evans away from challenging for a conference title?
0: Well, if they actually thought this way, I think he could really help the Spurs. But you know, we know the Spurs uh, are not exactly kings of the deadline.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if Tyreek Evans and Rudy Gay. I don't know if that's too much for them. <laughs> that might that might that might take it one step too far. But you know what? Also. <laughs> With Kawhi in the state that he's in, I don't, I, you know, you know, I'm violating my own never right off the Spurs rule, but I'm, I'm you know, with, with Kawhi in his health state, I don't think they feel like they're as close to it as they normally do. I mean, they got to get him right first before they can think about the moves they're going to make to put him over the top.
0: Yeah, do you think there's concern with that? I mean, it seems like, you know, he had the shoulder thing, but he seems to be like slowly rounding back into form. I mean, I've, I've, I have confidence that he can get back there. Obviously, if he's not, you know, they're they're not going to make noise in the playoffs, but I mean, is there a concern there, you think?
1: I mean, he's superhuman, so, I mean, you know, there's probably less concern when him, with him than there would be with normal, mortal players, but, I mean, a shoulder tear is a shoulder tear. I mean, so, I, you know... Is that can it, can it, can that injury ever ever be minor? I he, he you know he didn't what you know he was ruled out of today's game as well. I mean look, I don't want to sit here and, and sound alarm bells. No team is is going to keep those things buttoned up better than San Antonio. So none of us know the true extent of it. But I mean after as long as the quad situation lingered and now to be dealing with a shoulder, I mean to me it's ominous at the very least.
0: Yeah, if it is going to be a chronic thing, and and also that's the sort of thing where you know you go up for a rebound and someone chops down on your arm and you can aggravate. Very easily, I mean, we saw you know Dwight Howard have to deal with that you know when he was in that last Lakers season you know it, it really seemed to affect him a lot. You had something in your for your number thirty power ranked uh, Orlando Magic this. Wow, week you read all the way call. to the bottom. That's that's a good. <laughs> well, so and we haven't talked about their guys really much on this program yet, but you noted that there's an expectation that Alfred Payton and Evan Fournier and Mario Hazonia could be on the market. What do you think the market could be like i think we'll start with fournier since he's under contract at five years 85 million signed in that fateful summer of 2016 so uh do you think there's a, a market for him at, at that number where they could actually get something back for him i
1: think there's interest in him as a player but again it's is it is it a package that they can stomach how much bad contract money would they have to take back in exchange to make a deal like that work uh but i i think what it is teams around the league they just feel like jeff weltman's been in there for half season and obviously it's been a nightmare in Orlando since the Oof. eight and four start and so the expectation is that that he's going to explore moving anybody and everybody now I I have no knowledge to this point that that extends to Aaron Gordon I would think you know Gordon's someone that they would still want to take a wait and see approach and and you know it, it see uh, see how he develops but I you know I I think everybody else you know, I I I don't think there's a, you know I don't think there's anybody that they're fully married to at this point. So I'm sure they're exploring the market and and checking all their options. But yeah, I, I would I would think out of out of you know out of their guys. I, I mean I I think there will be some interest in in Fournier. But again, I mean money is
0: so tight everywhere this year that, that I think that that complicates deals on top of it on top of all the other factors we've been talking about Fourney is an interesting one to me because you know he can play I think he's a solid player but you know not someone who again is going to put you over the top as a team just you know if he's your second best ball handler you know you're probably not to be a great offense but there certainly are teams that could use his playmaking and shooting on the wing and he's not he's probably overpaid but certainly not nearly as much as many of his other fellow uh summer of 2016 signees so maybe again like you said it could be well he's a big salary let's trade him to a team that has a guy who makes similar money that you know just isn't doing anything at all and so now you can say to your fans if you're giving up a first round pick to dump money but you at least got back evan Fournier, you can say well at least we got something this guy can help us a little bit um and so maybe that's kind of what the construct for those kind of trades need to be it alfred payton another guy who you know was the darling of the previous Regime and then Scott Skiles didn't really like him, and then you know they moved on from Hennigan and brought in Weltman. So I'm not sure what Weltman and company think of Alfred Payment. Do you do you think there's any chance that they try to re-sign him this summer, or are they just like they really just want to clear house at this point?
1: I just think it's it's the, basically an approach that uh, you know there was plenty of skepticism coming into the season about are any of these guys keepers, and the way the season has gone, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean I you know again. Yeah, Gordon I think Gordon is the exception. Uh you know, he's still young enough and shows 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 the flashes that, you know, I I would imagine, you know, he would be the last guy on the list that they want to move, but it's been so bad if you're if you're if you're the new magic regime, how are you not open to anything at this point? All right,
0: a couple more quick hitters here. You getting any kind of a feeling on what the market for DeMarcus Cousins is going to be like? I mean, if he, you know, New Orleans can offer him that full max five years you know almost 175 million dollars but who are the other suitors out there for him that you know actually could give him a four-year max to really make him think about it because you have to imagine such an offer will be on the table from new orleans or they wouldn't have traded for him to begin with
1: yeah there's no question i think most teams around the league believe that the pelicans will re-sign cousins unless he doesn't want to stay there i I think the pelicans are the the clear favorite. Now, I would say there's an expectation and maybe it's even speculation on the part of rival teams, but you know, I've heard I've heard Dallas and the Lakers mentioned most frequently um that those are those are teams that, you know, are, you know, expected, whatever expected means to 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 make a <laughs> run at him. Now, for the Lakers, obviously we know they have they have other targets. I would think Cousins is lower on their list certainly than lebron or paul george but you know dallas is one you know dallas going after cousins would be a very mark cuban move and no i think you know obviously i live in dallas you know there's been talk about cousins here for a while certainly around town people expect the mavs to go after him uh and you know can they can they convince him to leave new orleans if if the pels put that max deal on the table you know i know this isn't the answer you want but i gotta i gotta play the too soon to know card here
0: yeah no of course i mean this is all we're we're going the informed speculation rod at this point point. And, and for demarcus i mean you know difficult to say of the teams that have max cap space three million is what it's going to take for him you know atlanta they're not interested in him. they just moved on from dwight howard because of their concerns about his character they're trying to just rebuild it travis schlenk has the mandate to do that there you know brooklyn's not really going to have the space chicago demarcus does not seem like a Chicago guy they're trying to really rebuild it as well so really other than Dallas and the Lakers I don't necessarily see other potential suitors for him and then so last thing here uh in your hometown what's going on with Newland so well you know they traded for him it seemed like he was going to be a part of their long-term future then they couldn't come to an agreement on a contract extension you know he supposedly turned down very significant money then came in on the qualifying offer now he's not playing at all he had a surgery that many have speculated is relatively elective which which is not the first time he's done that. Uh, going back to his Philly days, um, but I mean, are, are they going to move him? Uh, you know, is there anyone who wants him? Like, what's gone on there, and what do you think the future is for him there?
1: You know, it's it's surprising that uh, you know it's it's become such an afterthought that there there really isn't a ton of chatter. You go to Mavs games now, and you don't you don't even hear people really asking the questions, which is kind of shocking because I I thought it was a great move at the deadline. Uh, you know, we've seen. You know the 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 best Mavs fit, you know the best center fit in the Dirk Nowitzki era was Tyson Chandler next to Dirk, and there was obviously great hope in Dallas that because of Noel's athleticism, that that the, the Mavs could kind of recreate that a little bit, and that he would be you know a great fit next to Dirk. And of course, you know now Dirk has evolved to the point where you know he he plays center as much as anything to you know and in, in, in year twenty of his career, but it it just clearly hasn't worked out rick carlisle obviously likes other people at the at that position
0: and Noel was awful uh, this year. We, not,
1: we let's not let's not forget it. here too Noel has the ability to block any trade so uh you know i i i don't know that you were going to see him on the move before the deadline
0: this thing might just play out kind of meekly through the end of the season i mean why hold on to him at, at this point if he's not a part of your plans they do have full bird rights on him but it seems very unlikely uh that he would want to return or, or that they would want him back or maybe they'll give him one more shot but uh you know before the deadline it seems unlikely so you know i mean i think he would be you know the rich paul thing aside i think he actually would be a pretty good fit uh, in cleveland potentially uh you know i wouldn't imagine there'd be much of a price or i mean just do him and rich paul a solid and buy the guy out at this point if he's not a part of your plans
1: yeah i, I can't see him staying so you know who knows maybe he would be maybe you know maybe he does become a buyout candidate if uh, no deal materializes but um i i, I you know, I, I had high hopes for him as a player and, and when, you know, I haven't seen him a ton in person, but you know, he's been lively and effective on several occasions that I've actually been able to watch him play. So obviously the injury thing has, has has, the injury situation has muddled things this season, but uh, you know, Rick Carlisle, Maxi Cleaver, Mezuri, I mean, he likes those guys better he's been playing those guys more. So clearly Dallas is not the place for New Noel, but, but I'm with you. Like it's, you know he's he's too young and you know too lively at his best to just write him off i mean he can he can help somebody
0: yeah if he's really engaged but i mean i, I understand where rick's coming from because all those guys you mentioned have been at uh, dwight powell you could throw him into have been way better than noel this year before he uh ended up having that surgery well thanks a lot man this was awesome uh looking forward to hopefully having you on again soon and uh anything you need to uh plug before you get going here other than uh the latest power rankings uh column Nah, wish... no plugs yeah
1: plugs just before the uh Happy for you to put up with me for a half hour.
0: (laughs) all right my friend we'll talk again soon appreciate it So, in regards to Mr. LaRue so Mark and I were just talking about the G League showcase I'll be honest with you usually pretty empty probably don't need to stress out too much about getting tickets to it but if you want to get tickets to anywhere else SeatGeek is the way to do that and go and see some of these awesome NBA players I just used it recently to buy tickets for my fiance and me to go to a Bucks Wizards game up in Milwaukee we got this awesome deal because they aggregate all the ticket selling sites together and then they also rank every ticket based on value so not only was i able to get a great deal by the aggregation of multiple ticket sites but also i saved a ton of time it really only took me a couple of minutes to find the section i wanted to sit in pick the one with the best deal and they got me an awesome i was i think like fourth or fifth row right in line with the basket on the sideline hundred bucks a ticket uh, which that one ticket happened to be underpriced and SeatGeek took me right to it with their ticket ranking system so you can make SeatGeek, your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater and get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase by downloading that SeatGeek app and entering my familiar promo code CAPSPACE today. That's promo code CAPSPACE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Make sure you enter that CAPSPACE code and let them know that you came from us. Welcome on to the Twitter NBA show post game. Also, uh, the second half of tonight's dunk time, we're going to talk about this Warriors-Cavs game, a 118-108 Warriors victory, although it wasn't Necessarily as smooth as many Warriors victories, uh, and then we'll of course uh, take a few of your questions as well uh, to wrap things up. So, uh, where do you want to start with this one, Danny?
2: Cleveland's defense in the half court in the first half was very good. They the Warriors were not getting consistent looks. I mean, Steph and Durant weren't getting much in the half court. Clay Thompson was actually very active during that portion of the game, and if they could continue that element of their defense moving forward, that's a very positive sign. I thought Jay Crowder did a nice job in the half court on. Kevin Durant but then the wheels came off it a little bit in the half court in the second half the Warriors were getting better looks they were trapping sometimes on the Curry pick and rolls and they were getting good looks out of that so for Cleveland you can take some solace in that they're going to have to put it together more and they're going to have to be better in transition defense because they were awful in transition defense but if you're looking for flashes and I think that's really like I talk about with young players that's what you're looking for they they had some of those today that can be a hallmark
0: yeah and I think you know you can point to the effort from Tristan Thompson you can point to Jay Crowder having a solid defensive game. You can point to what LeBron was able to do protecting the rim. You know that harkened back uh, to 2016 as well. That's the type of defensive effort that they're going to need from him. You can point to Kyle corver playing nice defense on Clay Thompson early uh, in the second quarter as well. So they had some flashes. um And also, I think if you're looking for optimism for Cleveland, uh, Isaiah Thomas leading the team in shot attempts, nine out of 21, but clearly still not close to back yet uh, offensively and. And I think either, you know, he's not going to take that many shots in the future or he'll be a better player, more efficient, still needs to kind of run into shape by his own admission.
2: And he only had four assists in this game, but all four of them were highlight plays, just really nice to, and then I think that was, was he the one? No, it was Wade that made the pass to Jeff Green at the end of the second quarter, which was phenomenal. Isaiah is much more capable just because it's his background in certain elements of just like being a point guard than Kyrie. Kyrie is wonderful at what he does, but Isaiah is better at certain elements. To that and so we didn't get to see, and it's a shame. Part of why I didn't like these games being so close together. Of we didn't get to see these teams at, at real that kind of full strength. We saw everybody, you know, able to play, but not at full strength here. So we're gonna have to wonder. I mean, we might not get the series in June, but if we do, it'll be a little bit of a different Cavs team. And then that gets into one of the other big questions with this, which we saw in this game was the center position. So what the Cavs did was what we expected. They played Tristan Thompson as Kevin Love's backup. Those were really the only two guys they played at yeah. center.
0: I don't think they played a minute together. That I, recall. I don't
2: believe they did. And then the Warriors started with Jordan Bell, and Jordan Bell played kind of the Zaza Pachulia, really <laughs> is, is the way to
0: do it. Yeah, he got the Keith Bogans.
2: Yeah, in so both he, he started both halves, and then he played a little bit longer sometimes than Pachulia did. They actually went to Draymond at center at the end of the first quarter, which was interesting. And then Kevon Looney got a, got a little bit of time. He also got some time to power forward, which bad. And then David West, and I thought West was one of the difference makers in that fourth quarter in the first half of that. As Particular because that's mostly when he played. When uh, Cleveland just couldn't get a bus, couldn't get a bucket.
0: Yeah, and the Warriors' all-defense lineup to start the fourth it was very effective against Cleveland without LeBron, and even when LeBron returned as well. And I think you know we've we've talked a lot about the lack of spacing from anyone other than the Warriors' big three, although they did get some nice shooting from Nick Young late in the fourth quarter, which was and Cleveland wasn't able to attack him quite as much defensively as they might have hoped to. But I think we also have to look at, at Cleveland's lack of spacing as well and LeBron shot it very well but eight turnovers uh he did not really have the jump shot working did not go to the jump shot a, a lot Dwayne Wade did not really space the floor at all you know he took a lot of shots got to the rim a little bit but uh you know not really an efficient game for him at the high level of offense you need to beat uh, Golden State Jeff Green still hasn't made a shot against Golden State in his entire career going back to that 2015 Memphis series a
2: three he's he's made he's made some twos but, but not made threes yeah and, he did have that dunk yeah uh, and, but the, the, the other big part of that which i think is important is cleveland early on their two-point jump shooting and then their threes were their threes were a little bit inconsistent two-point shots outside the restricted area in the fourth quarter just the fourth quarter yeah two of ten yeah
0: and we had talked about how at halftime they had had you know shooting it well from floater range and they did end up 10 out of 17 for the game there but they i think there were four of eight on long twos in the first half and they finished five out of 19 so golden state force them into more uh long twos in the second half and that's why i think they're able to be uh, so successful and then the three-point shooting once again for cleveland they did hit the threes on christmas but they've been way off recently uh, against toronto and then a real struggle for them today as well i mean their best three-point shooter corver you know only got three attempts and and they don't really trust him uh, against the warriors absolute best lineups. wade was over two, jeff green 0 for three isaiah one out of seven really love the only guy who was hitting the three ball and they certainly got plenty of open looks as well so maybe if they actually hit a three there are seven out of 28 uh, overall not that many attempts either frankly for this cleveland team so it, you you have to hope that they can shoot it a little bit better and then maybe they're in this game at the end
2: and you can get an idea from this as we talked about the flashes that cleveland's best shot against the warriors can be a pretty damn good shot i mean they can they can defend lebron can just be an absolute yeah. monster he had it was four blocks all of the highlight variety yeah.
0: and i'll say this too one thing that they did well we haven't talked about defensively yet they forced Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green to take a combined 25 shots yeah and, and that's the strategy really I mean you know Durant Curry and Thompson 16 15 and 12 shots the, the only problem is KD had 32 points on, on his 16 shots and then another 10 uh free
2: throws well, that ties in with the other thing we should talk about was the big free throw disparity I think it was mostly in the second half the Warriors ended up 24 of 30 Cavs 15 of 22 um LeBron missed five free throws uh a couple of guys in the Warriors had a little bit of trouble, but if the Warriors are shooting more free throws than their opponent, and it's not garbage time, they're doing really well because their their other offense is so potent. I mean, their transition offense has been incredible, and it also means that they're going to be a set defense more often. And the Warriors have had trouble a little bit this year getting back in transition. Yeah, but when you're shooting free throws, that's not an issue.
0: No, it is. And I think another thing too, and you know, this is what makes this so unfair. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen where this rivalry would have evolved had Kevin Durant never gone. Golden State I think it would have been a very close rivalry these last couple of years but Cleveland just has no answers for KD Red I mean I, I thought they defended Steph really well he got loose for some bombs but you know I think Steph maybe had like one or two open threes the, the whole game they uh, really did a nice job of making his life difficult at the rim but Kevin Durant had 32 points uh, on 21 shooting possessions and they just you know LeBron is a help defender Crowder did okay on him at times but just if they were going to make your priority Steph Curry and Cleveland Clay Thompson, who they've always done a pretty good job on, as well. Um, after the first quarter, they really held Clay down. KD is just going to kill you, and he's so capable of doing. It. I mean, it didn't even seem like he had a big game tonight, and he had 32 points.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, and something that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Again, one of the flashes that was very interesting in this game was the way and the aggressiveness that Cleveland used attacking Steph Curry in the first half. He was in foul trouble for a lot of that. He actually left the game in the first quarter because he got his second foul.
0: Good job, not actually you know getting in foul trouble again, though, right. Kerr left him out there with well, three.
2: He reached a couple times in that third quarter. And yeah,
0: he played He played with fire. That could have changed the complexion of the game, you're right.
2: Sure, and but but the way that they attacked him was, it was a very different Cleveland offense than we saw a lot, and I mean that in a very good way. They were attacking him, the Warriors, they weren't really just getting an ISO and attacking the ISO. They were getting creation. They relied more on J.R. Smith as a creator, and I thought he made good decisions. He didn't turn the ball over too much, and that's a, a, a pathway for the Cavs and uh, there's also just kind of a, a psychological benefit that I see with that because the Warriors are never going to pull Steph Curry for his defense. But if you can make them a little bit uncomfortable, there's a, there's a value to it.
0: Yeah, and also tire him out. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, I mean, Steph didn't do anything really in the whole game until the very end of the first half and then got it going in the third quarter. Uh, overall for the game, uh, Golden State had turned it over a lot early. They were able to calm that down. That was part of their offensive resurgence in the second half. And then uh, wasn't as high of an offense offensive game as we've seen from these teams uh especially after that first half uh, when cleveland put up the 64 points um they were shut down very high possession game though so it was 118 points on 105 possessions for golden state so they had a 112 offensive rating still pretty good close to best in the league type of levels and then cleveland only uh a 104 offensive rating and you know it's going to be tough when you go 7 out of 28 from three-point range
2: yeah so i mean i think there's some things that cleveland can feel better about but in the broad scopes as the teams are constructed right now, Cleveland is going to have to broadly outplay the Warriors, I would say, probably on an effort point, and they're going to have to hit their shots to win games. And that's really what it was last year, too. You know, they had that game in game four, where they were the aggressors, they got to the free throw line a lot, they defended a little bit better in that game, and they were able to win. The other games, it was either neutral or the Warriors outplayed them, and the Warriors won a couple of those games in a laugh, and a couple couple that were a little bit closer. That dynamic, to me, is not fundamentally different this year, even though Cleveland's personnel changed over a fair amount
0: all right so uh, let's take uh a few questions here as we're about 11 minutes in to this post game show. we'll probably wrap up in about a, another 10 minutes or so you can ask questions about whatever you want ask questions about the entire nba about this game you know maybe we'll try and skew a little bit towards this game and this matchup first and then get into uh the nba as a whole what do you got there
2: uh no it's not a good one i was trying
0: to uh... oh you're trying to block a, a spammer
2: yeah. um has macaw's sophomore slump been bad enough that the warriors could move on from him i think they're more open to it now i haven't talked anybody but I would guess they're more open to it now than before but what has helped them is that I think McCaw's market is really thinned out both because of how aggressively teams spent last year and because he's just I don't think he's inspiring that like he's not going to be a restricted priority yeah. for most teams
0: no I don't think so and maybe he'll play better as the season goes on I do think he has potential He's really struggling with his confidence and his shot right now I was encouraged by how he defended he really has not been getting into a deep enough stance defensively and has been getting blown by he was able to sit down a little bit more and slide with people i thought uh, he did a, had a couple nice possessions on isaiah or in the first half didn't play at all by my recollection in the second half um and, and recall of course too that after his second year he'll be a restricted free agent uh will be a limited uh to the arena's provisions st- uh salary starting at the full mid-level exception of 8.4 million he hasn't played well enough in my opinion for that to come into play so you know i could see him returning on something like a three-year nine million dollar deal or something something like that um all right here's a good one that i think is very interesting who is the next Team to beat the Warriors in a series, and we'll assume that uh, of course that they stay together and, and are, are not injured.
2: I mean, it's interesting because with the Rockets, I think they'll give them a good shot, but the problem is the Rockets aren't ahead of the Warriors on the age curve.
0: Right, right. They're
2: you know, Chris Paul is probably the guy that will age out of that before anybody else, and then PJ Tucker and Luke Kurchard and Bomute are not yeah, really
0: this is by far their best chance this yeah, year. Absolutely. And even Harden, you know, he's yeah. he's aging at the same rate as basically the the Warriors <sighs> players. I mean, I guess we're all aging at the same rate. But you know know i mean he's yeah. he's on the same point in the age curve maybe yeah. as those guys are
2: so i'm still gonna say the rockets i think they i think because i also think they're gonna face the warriors more times and that means i don't have to bet on the bucks or the the sixers or anybody like that and i mean you could also make this argument of oh it's the lakers but i'm not completely sold like there's a, a very good chance that they're gonna get some good players but the level they need to be at to pass both the rockets and the warriors unless one of the guys they get a cp is is significant i mean the warriors have four all-stars the Lakers right now have zero
0: yeah that's true and then I think you know we might have said the Spurs at one point but after they've really limited their flexibility going forward with some of the moves that they've made with the Mills signing the Gasol signing the Aldridge extension we'd hope that they could really get into it in the summer of 2018 that hasn't been the case Kawhi a little bit younger than some of the Warriors guys you'd hope he could be on the ascent and they get one more star and then maybe they're there as Golden State uh, falls down a little bit I mean I would if I had to just guess the year that they, I would guess that the 2019-20 season would be the first year that they are not the favorites going in to the season. uh But predicting who the individual team, would be, I mean, maybe Boston would be one They that certainly have a good shot. But you know, and that I think that would probably still require them getting AD. But I mean, I think the way that Golden State is going to lose is by them just naturally not being as good anymore, and then just sort of a you know more run-of-the-mill championship level a team comes and in.
2: The other thing that makes me a little bit concerned about saying the Rockets is that they. They've done such a good job by and large defending James Harden and they're so familiar yeah. with him yeah. that he doesn't have and, and yes of course they have they have better personnel this year I think the Rockets defense is better suited to, to defend them but if you're going to be relying I mean James Harden has been a spectacular ISO player this year if you're going to be relying on that or Chris Paul creating one-on-one it doesn't work as well against them as it does against other teams but I'm still just just by the the odds of it I'm, I'm going to say that
0: all right uh do the Rockets have a better chance against Golden State than Cleveland does I would say that they do for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that they uh, can be better defensively. They've got guys like Tucker and Mute now. Uh, and then they shoot so many three-pointers that they've got the variants, whereas the Cavs are not the three-point shooting team necessarily that they've been in the past.
2: And also, I think that s- some of the... Houston is a little bit more traditional at center, and I think that could bait Kerr into just playing patchouli a little bit more. Yeah, which would be a disaster.
0: Roasted. He can't. He cannot guard Harden in a pick-and-roll to save his life. Um, is Iguodala going to get any semblance of a 3 point shot again.
2: I mean, signs point to no. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, he's had these shows before, though. These are the most pronounced I mean, of his well, he career. He could get
2: to low thirties. I mean, I yeah. could see him having stretches like that, but being like, but th- I think the bigger issue is his confidence. It's not so much that they're not going in; it's that he doesn't want to take them. He also yeah. doesn't want to take layups. But that is that part of it is a big problem because if you're conceding, if if you're if you are able to concede that shot to the Warriors without giving without any ill effect, it screws up every. Everything else with their offense
0: yeah now we did note this during the game one time with Draymond as well where LeBron Draymond had the ball LeBron was just backed off into the paint and so Draymond said oh you know what I'll do I'll just go do a DHO with the greatest shooter of all time Steph Curry and now the fact that you're not guarding me means Steph Curry gets the three so right. Iguodala and Draymond are and you still have a lot of shooting with Clay Durant and Steph out there so it may not be as big of a deal as we think it is um but and I think the other thing to watch for Andre too is just the health and how his legs are feeling i think you know he'll still have days where he feels more spry i think those as you get older it's more you know your good days are close to as good as you used to be but you just have more and more bad days until you have all bad days and with all the the like times he's been listed on the injury report and been questionable i think that you know especially with knee tendonitis like if you try to bend into your shot and you're not sure whether your knee is going to hurt as you bend your knees and you're not sure how much lift you're going to get out of your knee every time you bend it and that's kind of what tendonitis this feels like if you've had it i've had that that if you don't have that stable base that you can rely on and consistently repeat every time i think you know your jump shot is one of the first things that can kind of go there and so maybe that's what he's going through so maybe his health will improve uh not really sure
2: we've had a couple questions about whether the Cavs could go after the big men on the clippers deandre or blake griffin a blake griffin is off the table his contract is too horrible and the Cavs don't want to commit that kind of money deandre i don't think he helps them that much against the warriors because he's not a great switch defender he likes to to stay in the paint and he's a a wonderful offensive rebounder pick and roll player but you know doing that i mean granted if if they can if the clippers have an interest in like tristan for deandre jordan as a base then i think yeah i mean if you're cleveland you consider that because it's also just getting out of his money but i think the the clippers would want more from it than that
0: yeah no i think that's right and it's probably not worth giving up that brooklyn pick i mean i think you know they're unlikely to trade that brooklyn pick anyway Uh, and you know mark Sinai i talked about this today um you know Mark was saying, hey, you know, I think you kind of should do it. They're going to regret letting LeBron go. And I, I think, you know, there's something to be said for that. Um, But also, you don't know if LeBron's going to stay, regardless of what you do with that Brooklyn pick. Dan Gilbert, of course, is feeling very burned by the first time when he, he thought he pulled out all the stops to keep him and, and was unable to do well, so.
2: And and even remember, if LeBron might even just come back on a one plus one. Yeah. And then you're sitting there going, well, we, we don't, do we sell out now for him or anything like that? Because there will always be teams that want to throw it through, yeah. back up the Brinks truck, to use an Isaiah well, term
0: yeah and then but because this warriors team exists i mean if you were just saying all right you know there's a bunch of other like non-greatest team of all time type of candidates here uh vying for a championship and you felt like you could you move that brooklyn pick and meaningfully increase your odds then maybe you do do it but i'm not sure again that the players out there even if they were willing to move it that makes a meaningful difference it's going to say all right now we have a 50 percent chance or better of being this incredible warriors team and so just where we are historically i mean i think LeBron probably is going to get, end up getting short shrift because of that a, a, in the greatest player of all time discussions because he's just had to go up against this Warriors team uh, the last three years and especially now that KD is there.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. Um, and and also it's unfortunate because I would say LeBron helped create that super team just because they they were inspired by the 2016 and KD wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, somebody asked who's a better finisher around the rim, Kawhi or Harden?
0: Oh God, I don't know. Uh, probably I would say Harden just because he gets to the rim more on just, like, straight-up drives. Kawhi, he more likes to kind of work to a spot, I would say. So he's not, you know, trying to drive Pell-Mell at the rim, trying to finish over help defenders. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into kind of the more general NBA talks right now. Um, after the most recent videos on Fultz's jump shot— we haven't talked about this yet, so it's a good question here— uh, what are your feelings on him as a prospect?
2: I My instinct is always, in the broad, in the broad arc of history, to think about the idea that— what we've already seen that he can get back to that but every time it looks like he's coming back and it's not there i that chance drops so i'm concerned i'm i'm more concerned now than i was before
0: well and i mean i think initially we had some good things to say that like oh at least he's you know back in public again but the shot has not looked good for anything outside of 50 meters. the free throw has improved at least but brett brown's comments recently basically saying like oh you know they asked about how his shoulder is he's like oh you know i guess you'd have to ask the doctors uh, you know, but... Uh, and then to say, hey, you know what? He's got to be able to do to get back is to shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and where is that point? What level of consistency does he have to have? Because every three pointer that we see him take in these videos is just ugly for him out in front of his face, it, not close at all. And so you really have to wonder. You know, we I, I ranked him as still in the top ten on the, on the prospect list. That's before these public videos came out. But the fact that it's still not there, even after basically almost three months now uh, of inactivity uh, uh, from a, a team perspective, I mean, that's really a concern. Uh, you know, I said when. This happened. I think there's a 50% chance that this has a major effect on his career. And I think you know you have to say if anything, it's that high or even higher now because it's not fixed or even apparently close to fix.
2: Well, and then the the question at this point is okay. So if you set him out, I think it was more like two months where he was really just like largely off and you know they weren't showing stuff. Well, if that wasn't enough, then what is? Do you have to shut him down for like six months? Is it like where where is the line here? And and some of that is just my lack of familiarity with this kind of an injury, but some of it is also just it you know, where where's he gonna go from here but the other parts of his game like his his handle I mean I, I still am a believer in his handle his ability to create like I compared yeah. him in the process to Kyrie I think there are still a lot of Kyrie elements but the jump shot is a mandatory part of it, it is there is no way to build a very good yeah. Markel Fultz I mean, without he, a jump he's shot. gonna look
0: like a shorter Sean Livingston if he can't shoot the ball outside of 15 feet I mean that's why you know he doesn't have elite explosion you, you know I mean uh, he's got to be able to shoot the Ball and shoot the ball from three-point range and sh- and play off the ball some uh, as well. Um, would Tyreek Evans fit in Oklahoma City?
2: I don't think they need more guys with a ball in their hands. I mean, if yeah. depending on how they structured the rotation, I mean he does the at the least shoot
0: forty percent from three. I mean yeah. he probably sadly would be the best two-way player they have on the wing outside of the big, I mean, you know, outside of Paul George.
2: So what I would be my to me the way to run the rotation is to have Mello as the guy, have PG and and Russ tied together, and have Mello as the other guy. I think that works better. You could use kind of Tyreek in that idea but I also like OKC is another team that their books are just so complicated that it's hard to hard to make a trade like that work
0: yeah in terms of they've got that pick outstanding in 2018 mm-hmm. to and Minnesota one 2020. yeah and the 2020 that weird one that's protected uh I think top it only goes if it's 20 or higher for uh the Jeremy Grant trade
2: it's even more weird than that This you know my you can't get me on pay protection it's 20 or it's 20 or that but it's only one year right if it doesn't convey it's whatever year's the first year if it doesn't convey in that year it becomes second it's it's pretty cool i actually think sam prestey did a nice job on that that was actually yeah it was as you said it was originally in philly and then philly traded it to oh god am i going to make one of us pronounce that name for because they traded oh uh,
0: anjax potchnix very nice
2: was he at the was he ever at Euro camp when you were there
0: no no i sadly because it's during the finals i can't go to that anymore um an nba writer uh that was actually jay king uh said that in college he had this faults shoulder problem then it did re- resolve and he was able to shoot again well, I mean, from basically the stuff that you hear behind the scenes and just, you know, all this is secondhand, but, and also just based on the optics of it right now, if I had to guess it at what happened, it's basically just that like Folds tried to change his shooting motion and screwed it up. And now it's all a, a big problem. You know, I don't, I don't know how much of this shoulder imbalance thing is real or just a smoke screen. And certainly they're saying that all of that shoulder problem is fixed and yet his shot's still jacked up. So while that might've provided some reason for optimism, and we talked about that on Dunked On, you know, I'm not really sure how real that whole shoulder thing was, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very possible. And, that would I mean, and
0: that's just reading the t I don't know that for sure, but my educated guess, based on just what you kind of hear in back alley conversations and, uh, you know, just our... our, yeah, our you, and I,
2: you and I have different conversations, I guess, and I, I'm not I'm not a big alley fan. Yeah,
0: um, well, I, I wanted to just kind of emphasize yeah, the yeah. clandestine aspect yeah, sure. of it.
2: Um, I, I feel like I might as well talk about this considering I wrote a piece on it. Uh, do you have any opinion on Anthony Davis to the Warriors? The Athletic has written a few stories about it. One of them was my own. Um, so I think the more important part of that, and this is what Tim Calcami was getting at in his story, is the idea that Joe Lacob, the owner of the Warriors, and presumably Bob Myers is on board with this. They're very cognizant of the ability to make big swing and the idea of doing that. And so for Anthony Davis, it's it's going to be all opportunity, just like it is with, with Kevin Durant. But where the rubber meets the road there is not with Davis himself. It's with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. And and so if they go into those negotiations and say, like they did before, hey, we we don't have the ability to give you guys your full max. If you take a little bit less, we can do it. Then that changes things. That changes those negotiations. And that is potentially relevant, though I don't know how relevant.
0: Is this the weakest the Cavs have been since LeBron returned? No, I would say in the 2015 Finals.
2: Well, yeah, and the also the injury context is kind of hard. Is com- yeah. but 2015 they were still figuring stuff
0: out. Yeah, well, I mean they just didn't have any scoring or, or shooting outside of uh, LeBron in that 2015 Finals. Uh, what's Derek Favors' trade value at this point? It's low. I, mean- I don't, you know, I'm not sure who really needs it. I mean, in a vacuum, he's a solid player. You know, probably a, you know, a lower end starting center, not that good defensively, but can move his feet and then a great pick and roll big man uh, but
2: the, the other know. way that he has value is and if there was ever a dunked on drinking game take a shot there are very few expensive expiring contracts this year and if Utah was willing to take on multi-year money that's how they could start to get into some serious conversations if they wanted to say hey we'll take on X player and they make 12, 13 million next year too then maybe you can start to get into the mid first and I think that's, that's if they're thinking that they're not going to use space next year with all these non-guarantees of course Tabo is an interesting issue i would probably do that if i were utah if they could pull a real asset out of it for next year's money by all means because they're not going to have caps all
0: right last question here does anybody want jordan clarkson
2: i think he fails the nene test pretty cleanly right now he's not an asset uh i I don't think he's much of a negative asset you know i don't think it's like oh you have to give up like a good first to get rid of him but 12 it's about 12 million for two more years is that about right uh
0: you're talking about um who are we talking about again jordan clarkson oh yeah clarkson yeah he's 12 and a half for okay. the next two years he's so like, flat i think
2: so like how much so i like the way that you've i've actually started adopting this of how much dead money like how much negative money is on that contract like right. i'd say he's probably like a seven million dollar player maybe
0: if that i mean kp wrote it, our friend kevin pelton at espn wrote a piece about he uh, who you should sell high on and you know clarkson has fallen off in efficiency since december 1st was shooting higher than his career average on three pointers earlier in the season so you know i mean i'm not sure that he really and he's older than you think too i mean he's getting he's in his mid-20s now already Uh, was an older rookie coming out so i'm not sure really that you know i mean he's probably a four million dollar a year player okay someone who can provide some scoring off the bench but isn't necessarily efficient maybe he's projectable to get a little bit better on a better team with some more shooting around him but no i think i think it's a pretty ugly contract i think that you can get you know just that kind of volume scoring relatively easily there are teams that could use that but for that price i don't think so so i mean the the lakers have evinced some sort of confidence that they could move on from him without having to give up draft pick conversation uh my response to that is good luck um but maybe there are some teams that like him i don't think of his contract as being particularly movable though i think assets will have to be attached
2: and it's hard with the lakers because their assets are kind of unusual maybe what happens is that if they do it after the draft and then they can move their 2019 pick that might be a way to do it but you there's if there's a will there's a way and then the other option that the lakers have with him is just if they have to using the stretch provision i mean
0: yeah well i mean if you're gonna do i mean they have to know
2: who they're getting at that
0: point. yeah woge called stretching dang inevitable basically uh so stretching clarkson and dang that's a, a lot of money to just have a, on your books for five years going forward um all right that'll do it for today thanks so much for watching slash uh, listening uh don't forget about uh wish with uh that cast space code and uh we will talk to you tomorrow night uh, on dunked on next twitter nba show we may do one saturday if james harden plays against golden state otherwise our next one will be the following saturday boston and golden state so please tune in then and we appreciate uh, your support uh, as independents and hopefully we can keep this thing sponsored for the rest of the season we appreciate it thanks so much for watching